praise God. Well, let's just go to Matthew, and we're going to read a scripture there, 11. Matthew 11, 25 to 30. I'm just going to read it. Matthew 11, 25 to 30. At that time, Yeshua answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right, the important phrase is, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now, as I said earlier, I'd like just to follow up with this teaching on the fruit of the Holy Spirit, because we didn't have our Bible study on Thursday. And this lesson, this fruit that we're going to be talking about, is what some translations the King James, I think, puts the word meekness. Possibly the better translation is gentle. Right? It does get a bit confusing. Some translations put, instead of kindness, they put gentleness. And it's understandable if you know the Greek words. But the point is this, that we're going to be talking about this fruit of gentleness. All right? What does it mean to be gentle? And You'll see there the Lord says, learn from me because I am gentle. And as I've been saying very often, when we come to these fruit of the Holy Spirit, what's critically important is to pick up the spirit of them. You see, we can use our brains and it's important to have as clear understanding as we can. And let me just add that that understanding does grow. We get more information as we go along. If I were to teach the fruit of the Holy Spirit again in two years' time, I'm sure there'd be a lot more I could teach. We have taught it in the past, and I can tell you, at the moment, we've moved a lot further from what we were. Essentials are the same. They haven't changed, but there's more insight that we get. So, you see, we grow in these things. And as I've been saying, with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you see, we need to learn from the Word what they actually are, not what the world wants us to think they are. That's the big danger. We have a presumption, let me put it that way, a vague understanding. And that's always dangerous. I've always said this, I always say it. God doesn't want our thinking to be vague. Am I right, Sue? You were sharing with us at your Bible study that you've been in church circles for how many years? Longer than 20. Longer than 20. And if I understand you're saying correctly, it's like you've been taught a lot, but it's never really been coherent. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. It, you see, and God doesn't want that. Because if you and I are wandering around with a vague idea, we are at a disadvantage. The devil loves vague. He loves it. If you've got a vague idea about faith, he doesn't bother about you. Did you know that? Because you can't use it as a weapon. If you don't know what your weapon actually is or how to use it, it's useless. You may just as well not have it. And a lot of Christians, let me tell you, when the push comes to the shove, they discover they don't have it. And then they say, well, God's let me down. Oh, no, he hasn't. 
We've just been ignorant. Okay, so we're against ignorant right here. Against it. Amen? There's a lot to learn. Let me tell you, a lot to learn for all of us. And our job is to continually be what? Getting our minds changed to what God thinks, you see. And he's given us the resources. Now, you see, when it comes to the fruit of the Holy Spirit, as I said, and everything in the Bible, there's a few principles that are worth knowing. For example, the context is really important. The context in which the word is used. As I explained the other day, that word faith, when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the word faith is used. The same Greek word, when it comes to the fruit of the Holy Spirit, is described as faithfulness. Can you see the same word? How do you get a different meaning? Different context. Can you see that? Not just the context of the scripture, but also the overall understanding in the Bible, where this word appears in other places. That's one way of picking up the spirit of the thing. Another good way is to understand the root Greek word. It doesn't work all the time. The example I just mentioned now is faith is the same word, so it doesn't help us. We have to go beyond that in a way. But very often the actual root word does help if we prepare to find out, if we prepare to scratch a bit, to dig a bit, dig a bit deeper. Let me tell you, this Bible, you keep digging, you always find more treasure. Always find more treasure. Always find more treasure. Amen. But you see, the Greek word is important. But the most important, I believe, way of understanding these fruit is to look at our example, the Lord Yeshua. Because all these fruit are demonstrated in his life. Can you see that? And when you see the demonstration of the fruit, you and I are able to use our spirit man to pick up the spirit of the truth. Can you see that? The spirit of the fruit. And you see, it's a process of, if I can call it, osmosis. Because as we spend more time picking up the spirit, that's what we become. And that's really the heart of this whole thing. As we said before, you see, we know what the fruit is, and then we get tested on the fruit. We get put in a situation, and the choice is ours. Do we operate the way we know we are supposed to, or we just go the way of our flesh? The taxi just shoots in front of you, almost causes a collision. Now, I've just been to a Bible study on patience. <laughs> and what am I going to do? Well, for the first few times, if you're like me, you might swear like you always used to, and threaten hell and damnation and wish that your vehicle was mounted with machine guns and similar equipment so that you could send this taxi and his driver to kingdom come. You understand? But as we mature and grow, you start to operate in the right mode. Can you see that? And that's the process that we learn about the fruit. We know what they are. We understand, have a clear understanding or as clear as possible. We get tested. We respond in the right way on a regular basis. We're faithful in it. What happens? Eventually, see, that's the way we automatically respond. We don't even have to think about it. We don't have to think like you start to drive and you've got this, okay, first, clutch. Accelerator, brake, clutch, ABC, okay, clutch. Gear, okay. Now what? Accelerator. Yes, accelerate, yes, but first foot off. B, brake, you see, and then accelerate. Now what must do? Lift your foot slowly off the clutch and... <laughs> you get it? To start off with, that's what it's like, more or less. But what's happened now after years of driving? If you go, you just don't even think about it. Can you see that? That means that 
that fruit of the Spirit is now what you and I are. Can you see the difference? We're not trying to be it, although we must try to start off with, but if we get it right, we eventually become it. And the way to become it is helped greatly by looking at the example and allowing His Spirit to fill us, you see, because it is a fruit of who? The Holy Spirit. Although it's a fruit of the Spirit man, which if we fall to the Holy Spirit, is one and the same thing. Amen. So you see, the Lord says, learn gentleness from me. That's the phrase. I said a lot of other things there, but you see, we've got to learn, pick up from him, what this gentleness actually, actually is. Paul the Apostle spoke to the Corinthians and he said, because they were messing around. Oh, my soul, were they messing around? And he writes his letter to them. And he says very clearly, how do you want me to come? Because he says, I'm coming to see you guys again. <laughs> it's like the boss saying, I need a meeting with you sort of thing. But the boss is very kind. Now, listen, do you want me to come with a spirit of strength, you see? In other words, come and slap you around and get you sorted out. Or are you going to sort yourselves out beforehand so I can come with a spirit of, and Paul says, spirit of gentleness. Can you see that? Spirit of gentleness. Which is what actually happened if you look at his second letter. But you see, he says, spirit of gentleness. That's what we want to pick up from the Lord. The spirit of gentleness. Or as other translations put it, meekness. Now here's the big catch, you see. Because when we think of this old English term, meekness, what is the immediate conclusion in our brain? Meekness equals weakness. You get it? And that is as far from the truth as is possible. Gentleness is nothing of the sort, as I'm going to show us, or as we're going to see in the word. All right? Now, if you look at the Greek word, the root word, and it's one of these words which is, how shall I say? It doesn't rely on something else to explain it. It's a root word. It means mild, mild. Now, before we jump to conclusions and say, oh, well, we're supposed to be sort of passive in every situation and just mild and kicked around like a football. No, no, just think about it, you see. The point of it all is that mild means that you are able to turn the heat up, all right? Say you're going to cook and you've got a recipe and it says put the stove on medium. Put the stove on medium, what does it imply? You could also put it on. Pretty hot, I mean. You've got that ability, or you can put it on very low. But you choose to put on medium. Can you see that? Medium. Now, the heart of gentleness. Please, this is so important. The very heart of gentleness is strength under control. Do you get that? Strength under control. Power under control. These fruit all work together, by the way. I'm thinking of it in terms of a Venn diagram. Goodness, gentleness, self-control, which we're going to do next week, they all sort of intersect with love in the middle. They're all parts of each other, but they're not exactly the same. Can you see that? We've got to have a clear thinking. You see, goodness is when you go into a situation, you do what's best for whoever is there. You see the need and you meet the need. We've talked about that. But you see, being gentle is the same thing. However, it's being good but in the right measure. 
That's the way to put it. In the right measure. Do you know you can overdo goodness? Do you know that? Yes. You're helping somebody so much they eventually just depend on you and you're not helping them anymore. You're doing something good, but it's no longer good. Can you see that? That's why we have to understand these things in context. Gentleness is when you do good, whatever the goodness has to be, and it can take forms other than being Father Christmas. Please understand that. Sometimes a child needs a darn good hiding, am I right? But you don't want to thrash the child with an inch of its life, do you? They need discipline, but they don't need to be so terrified and petrified they can't live. We had somebody in the church. She was so apprehensive of her precious daughter being disciplined. And the reason why? She was beaten to a pulp every single day by a wonderful father. Can you understand? So you see, gentleness is power under control. We cannot be gentle if we are not strong. Can you see that? As I'm going to explain. Now, once again, let's look at the Lord, our example. I'm going to take two examples. When I was talking to the Lord about this, I asked him specifically, what examples from your life must I use? And he used what I thought were, how shall I say, Lord, are you sure you've got this right? <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard God say something and you think, now is that really you, please? Because it seemed so, I'll use a fancy word, incongruous, unusual. But that's the point, you see. We don't understand gentle until we understand it from his perspective. And that's what he was trying to teach me and us by extension. The first one, we won't even turn to the scripture because you know it also very well. The loaves and the fishes. Right now, I did this on two occasions at least. You know the story. So many people, everybody's hungry. What have we got? Five loaves and two fish on one occasion. Seven on the other occasion and a few. But whatever. So he takes the five loaves, all right, and we know the story. Now, the point is this, that there was so many people there and he ordered this bread from him. There was enough to feed everybody, you see. He had the power to flood that whole area with food. It's happened before, by the way. Israel in the wilderness they were hungry and they were complaining. They said, we're sick and tired of manna. We want meat. <laughs> so he sent quail. He flooded the whole place with quail. It overdid it in a way. He's teaching them a lesson. But in this case, there was sufficient bread to feed everyone and fish. All right? Now you might say, oh, but Graham, what about the baskets left over, you see? Which is exactly what I said to God. <laughs> you see, gentleness is the right amount for the occasion. Does everybody see that? So I'm saying to him, but you don't know your own word. And then he said, hold on, hold on. Then he explained something to me. Now I can't take this to the bank. I can't prove it theologically. And you don't have to accept it. But listen to this, and it makes such good sense. I normally know that it's God talking when what he says makes sense. Does that make sense? You understand? But what he said to me was, remember, what was the problem in the first place? The Lord said, these people have come from a long distance. They haven't had any food. And to go back this long distance, they might faint along the way. You understand? So let's feed them. Now, that's all very good and well. But then he pointed out something to me. Because they all travel a long distance from afar, does that mean everybody went from point A 
to point B. No, obviously not. Not everybody lives in the same radius. Some come from point C, point D, and point E. You get it? In other words, some people traveled a lot further than others. And what he was saying is the extra 20 baskets were for the people that came from point E. You understand? They would have fainted along the way, but they'd had a meal, but they had a long way still to go. So in a word, patkos. Does that make sense? Never seen it that way before. Never seen it that way before. But the point is, he could have flooded that whole area with you-know-what. Quail, fish, chips. You understand? I'm exaggerating. They wouldn't have known what chips are. But the point is this. What is gentleness? He provided as much as was needed. So there's no rotting fish lying around or stale crusts. Can you see? It was exactly what was required. That's gentleness. Did you see that? That is a description of gentleness. The other one might shock you, and it shocked me too. I said, what other example? Because I can't just do one. He took me to the temple. And there the Lord is, looking at all these money changes. Now, strange enough, this is an example of gentleness. He took a whip made out of cords, and you know what happened. He thrashed a lot of them. He thrashed a lot of them. Single-handedly drove these Jewish moneylenders, which is quite a formidable task, out of the temple. All right? And I said, Lord, I would have thought gentleness was, he stood at the door and said, gentlemen, please, would you all depart from here? Now, would that have worked for a start? <laughs> but think about it. We're talking about the holy place, right? The holy place. What did they deserve? Listen, these people had the Old Testament, right? They knew better. They knew better. Remember the holy mountain? Moses goes up, and guess what? God gave instructions. Put a barrier there. Don't anybody go past that barrier, and everybody has to cleanse themselves for three days, because God is a holy God. Otherwise, you'll be struck down. If so much as a beast goes past that barrier into this holy area, this is out in the wilderness, a mountain. Can you get it? God's coming down to visit with Moses and with his people. But if so much as an ox goes past the barrier, which is part away from the mountain, shoot it with an arrow. Anybody else put to death? God's a holy God. You understand? A holy God. He was going to come down and his glory was going to fill that place. And my soul, you better be right. Now here we have the temple. Amen. The holy place. And yet these people are selling, and it's not one of our shops where everything's nice and clean, hopefully, and orderly. This is selling sheep and goats and birds. And now, is there a difference between a goat that's outside and a goat that comes inside? Is there a difference between a sheep on the outside and a sheep when it comes into the holy temple? No! They're making a mess, is what I'm trying to say, all over God's home. What did they deserve? The Lord could have stood there and said, okay, Lord, this, Father God, this is unacceptable. Let's have a touch of fire. I would have loved that, wouldn't you? The glory of God comes sweeping through there. 
and they all fall down, drop down dead, and the goats and the sheep, and it all just gets burnt up, and it's all suddenly transformed. That's exactly what they deserved. you understand? But what is gentleness? Power under control. Just enough power for the occasion. Because he needed God's power. Let me tell you, one man doesn't drive out a few thousand odd money changes in their business easily. Amen. But the point is this. He had the power. He could have commanded the angels to deal with the situation, but he chose to get his hands dirty to give us an example as well. But what did he do? He used as much power as is necessary to get the job done. Can you see that? And that is gentleness. It's not weakness, and not at all. Now, what am I saying? You see, you and I, in any situation, we need to learn how to be gentle. Right? And it has different applications in many situations. But the spirit of it is discerning what is needed and having the resource and applying as much of that resource as is necessary for the occasion. Do you see that? I'll give you a few examples that I know of. In the whole Christian world, there's a lot of information floating around. There's a lot of study of the Bible going on, a lot of knowledge. And I really appreciate, which happens very rarely, but I really appreciate it when I come into contact with a man of God who's very well versed in the Scriptures, all right, and yet doesn't feel necessary to tell you everything. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You see, I've been to professors, and I just mentioned one thing before I knew what was happening. He gave me his entire doctoral thesis and a few extras added on, none of which was relevant, by the way, to the situation. And you know what I discerned? Because of the question I'd asked this man of God, he was really insecure. Can you see that? When we have to prove something, what is that a demonstration of? Insecurity, you see. We're not too sure what we're talking about. That's when we talk a lot. I've seen it in my life. Often been in a situation where people just talk and talk, and they try to sound very clever. They talk and talk to sound clever, but you know for a fact, they don't know anything of any value. You get it? Now, that's the world. But what are we supposed to be? Strong in that we know what we believe. Do you understand that? We have to be secure in what we know. We have to be secure in the Bible. That's why we spend a lot of time trying to teach us. So when you are in a situation, you'll know a lot. Amen? You'll know a lot. Can I say it this way? You'll know a hell of a lot. <laughs> Heaven of a lot. <laughs> but just listen. Even though you and I might know a lot, we might perceive that we know perhaps, not always the case, perhaps a bit more than the people around us. Does that mean that's the time to start offloading everything we know? No. No. I've made that mistake so many times. So many times. And I think I've chased people away. Because I've perceived that there's a whole area of ignorance in their life. So dear old Graham takes it upon himself to try and solve 20 years of ignorance in an hour and wonder why they think you're like a school teacher. 
Can you see the problem? What was I not exercising? Gentleness. What is gentleness? Perceiving what is the need right now for this person. Can you see that? And having the answer. Can you grasp this? What does this person need right now? You see? And having the paradigm to be able to select, okay, that's what they need now. Let's just give what they need now. Can you see? That is gentleness. That is gentleness. You're helping the person. You're not swamping them with information that they're going to forget and it's not going to help them anyway, even though it might be very true. The first real pastor that I had, a fine old man by the name of Gordon Jackson, he was one of these people, unsung heroes of the faith. He had really gone through the mill. But my soul, he was a testimony in faithfulness. What a wonderful person. I'm so blessed to have had him as my first example of Christian ministry, real example. But anyway, I spent a bit of time with him and his wife. I was boarding with them for a short period of time. So I got to know him fairly well, not as well as I would have liked to, but one thing I noticed about him, now here's a man who spent his life in the Word. He was always reading the Bible, always studying, listening to teaching. He was always in the Word. He ended up teaching at the Bible College here in Pretoria. But one thing I noticed about him, if I asked a question, He didn't take out his Bible and start from Genesis right through to Revelation and give me a mighty Bible study. He could have done that. He had the ability. He did have the ability. But what he would do is just take from this vast knowledge that he had and apply just what I needed in my young Christian state, what I needed to know. Do you see that? He was a demonstration, almost the personification of gentleness. And can I tell you something? What he said has stuck with me my whole life. Isn't that awesome? We're talking about 30 odd years ago, plus minus. Can you see? Can we pick up the spirit of this? The Lord, when he taught people, he always taught people exactly where they were at. Can you see that? He gave them what they needed for that time. That's why, let me tell you, being attached to the body of Christ is so important to be in connection with pastoral anointing. Not so that we can worship the pastor. No, because you see, all of us are here at different levels, you understand. It's really important to grasp this. I might have some great, wonderful revelation. In fact, the Lord pulled me up last night about He said, Grant, just because I give you a revelation now doesn't mean you've got to go and blab it tomorrow. You understand? Work it through, you see? And that's not the point. The point is not, oh, what revelation I've had. What is the point? What we as a people, when we gather together, need. Amen? Are you hearing me? This is so critically important. You see, and if we're in connection... We can pick up, I can pick up, or whoever's teaching can, if they're doing their job properly, pick up where are we supposed to go here. Can you see what's needed now? That's gentleness. Not to impress with a mighty revelation from on high. Oh, my soul. The Holy Spirit on wheels. Glory to God. Oh, my soul. Pointless. Can you see? 
I remember when I was a young boy growing up, we were living in Zambia, and the house next door to us caught fire. Quite exciting for a little boy to see a house catch fire. <laughs> not exciting for the inhabitant of the fire. But anyway, the fire brigades, believe it or not, in Zambia those days pitched. And uh, they put the fire out, and then the fire chief came round to our house just to chat about the whole thing. And he mentioned something. He said, I come out to these scenes, and my function is not primarily to see that the fire gets put out. My function is to make sure that these inexperienced operators don't turn the hoses on too hard. Because, you see, there's tremendous pressure in these fire engines, you see. And what he said is very often, if you put the pressure of the water on too much, it does much more damage to the building than the fire. So his job is saying, no, no, don't do that. Turn it down, turn it down. Because naturally you want as much power to get rid of the fire, you see. But that's an example of gentleness, you see. There was tremendous power in those hydrants. The challenge was to just use enough to put the fire out. Can you see that? It's so important to grasp this in your and my lives. So many examples of daily life, you see. You come across people that have a need. We've made this mistake. And so what do you do? Meet the need. Meet the need. Get a phone call, meet the need. Your bank balance is going down, you're trusting God to fill it up. But what's happening to that money? Going into prescriptive drugs, you see. So what it's actually doing now is enforcing the habit. You understand? Providing and aggravating the situation, actually. Can you see? That is kindness, perhaps. Kindness, perhaps, but it's not gentleness. Can you see that? It's not gentleness. It's not being gentle in the sense of giving as much as is necessary to keep the dogs fed, the child fed, and the mother fed. You understand? But not for the drugs. How you do it, I don't know. But the point is, we have to exercise gentleness. Now, what I need to say from this is that for you and I to be able to be gentle, all right, to be capable of this gentleness, what have we got to have? There are two things. You'll find this is important. Always with God, there's two sides to the story. The first is, obviously, we need to have the resource to meet the need. I mean, the same with goodness. You can't do good if you haven't got the resource. All right. Now, we went into that in detail. And obviously, we encourage us as children of God to continually be developing the resources, whatever they are. I mean, and it's not just financial. We believe in prosperity in this church, can I tell you? Abundant prosperity. Can I say this unequivocally? You can never have too much. I mean, oh, Graham, that's terrible. You must be from the devil. <laughs> Check carefully. You laugh, but that's the attitude. If I had to turn around, you might see the bulge of a tail. If you look in the boot of the car, you'll find a fork there. But you see, that's not the point. God wants us to be very wealthy. Why? Why? common sense, so that we have the wherewithal to help somebody. Does everybody grasp that common sense, is it not? But you see, it's not just willy-nilly handing out. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about what the world would refer to as do-gooders. We do good, but we're not do-gooders. Do you understand? There's wisdom involved. 
the church in India had this big problem. They had what they called rice Christians. Rice Christians. What do they mean by that? The church would feed people and they'd have a massive congregation. But the people were there for what? The rice. Okay, which is understandable. Can you see? It's a difficult one, but wisdom is to operate in gentleness as much as is necessary. Reg has this problem down in Kwakwa because there's terrible poverty there. And he has a whole lot of children that come to his home, which is their church now. They can't use the school since COVID. About 150 kids, eh, or 200 kids. I don't know how they do it. But they feed them every Sunday. They give them probably the only meal that these kids have during the week almost. So, bless God, it's not a bad thing. But they also give them what? The Word. They teach them. And he came to a place with the organization where they had this difficulty. A lot of people were coming for the food. And the wisdom for him was, okay, we'll feed you, but you must belong to this church. Can you see? They laid down the rules. If you come here regularly, then we'll make sure you get food parcels. Can you see that? Now, that's gentleness in a way, because in the end, you can end up trying to feed the whole of Kwakwa. And let me tell you, for one organization to feed the whole of Kwakwa, you'd have to be Elon Musk times 10, right? Resources of. Can you see that? So we've got to be wise in this. But gentleness is helping the situation. So the first thing is we need to be developing our resource base. What do we mean by that? Well, when it comes to praying for the sick, what have we got to continually do? We're developing our Faith. Let me tell you the drive wheel for this whole thing. For every area of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is faith. Did you know that? Faith to love, faith to be gentle, faith to be kind. That faith has got to be continually, continually stoked. That's why we teach so much faith in the church. Why? We have to always developing our faith. So what? When there's a need, we've got the facility. Can you see that? If we're not developing our faith, and please, I'm not saying that you come to a need and because you don't think you've got the faith, don't pray. Not at all. We use what faith we have. That's what I've learned always. In any situation, you take what you have and you use it. And you'd be surprised what it can actually do. But you see, we've got to be continually developing our faith. Can you see that? Because let me just tell you, if you try to be gentle without any power, you look ridiculous. You look ridiculous. Let's talk about in the common context of a man being a gentleman to a lady. So critically important. We've lost it in our society. We're trying to get it back. But you see, you can have the outward trappings of being chivalrous or good-mannered. You can have that. But if you're a creep, it looks ridiculous. You've got this creep, this smarmy creep opening the door. We had it at boys high. Don't want to disparage a good school, but they drummed it into the kids. Whenever somebody comes past you, lift your basher if you have it. You say, good morning, sir, good morning, lady, whatever. The boys are boys are known for that. You see, they're known for that. And everyone thinks, how polite. Tim said to us, you know what happens? They say, good morning, sir. When they walk past, they start talking, ah, laughing behind their back. That is not being gentle, not being a gentleman. That's being scum, basically. I was like that, you know. I, I love the story because at our school we had these bashers. You know, we had to wear the bashers. You see, and the reason you had to wear the basher was not because it protected your head from the sun. It was a very uncomfortable thing to wear. But there were two reasons for this basher. 
Number one, when a master walked past and you were in town, you had something to raise. You see, that was the point. You were trained to do that. The other reason for the basher was it was rugby-mad society. And every time, Kingswood College, it was the school, whenever they scored a try, which was fairly, fairly seldom, but <laughs> when it happened, everybody threw their bashers up into the sky. You see, it was quite a sight. So that was the function of your basher. But I took great delight because what happened, you see, I had a brother two years ahead of me, and his basher was used for this purpose. Over the years, there were more than enough trials. And then what happened? When I came into the senior school, I got this as a hand-me-down. By the time I got this basher, it wasn't looking too good. <laughs> you see, and I'm talking about gentleness now. I wasn't a gentleman because when one of these masters came past, I took great delight in taking this battered piece of straw. <laughs> and <laughs> good afternoon. <laughs> I wasn't being gentle, I was actually being downright rude. Anyway, my brother picked me up on my last day of school. We drove over the small fish river, it's a massive bridge. I said, in the middle of the bridge, stop, Steve. Stopped his little bucky. I got out and I took this basher ceremoniously. Watched it go down, down. <laughs> Put my school years behind me. I don't know how I got there. But you understand, gentleness is not on the outside. And if you aren't a big person on the inside, your attitude on the outside is weak. Does everybody grasp that? You see, we've got to be good people inside. And the gentleness just comes out from that. The right motivation. But also, you see, we don't go over the top. You understand? Become gushy. That's not gentleness either. It's mommy. It's really horrible. But the point is this, you see, gentleness is... These two things. You see, the one is having the power, but the second is to discern the need. You are accurately discerning the need. Can you see that? And meeting the need with the appropriate resource. That's gentleness. Let me tell you, when you come across it, it's a very beautiful thing. Very beautiful thing. I want to share another example which actually, I think, illustrates this whole difference so well about having strength inside before we can actually demonstrate gentleness on the outside. In the church we were once with, there was one individual there. He was a young man. He was a pastor, newly appointed pastor of the church. And young pastors, by and large, have got a lot to learn. <laughs> and uh, he was a fine man, but he had a lot to learn. Anyway, he was in charge of the music team. I don't know why they put him in charge. I think it's because his wife played the piano. She was pretty good at that. She led the worship. But I ended up in this church now. I had been doing praise and worship all over the country. So now I was in this music team, and this pastor was now over me in the music team. And he couldn't really play a note. Actually, played the drums a bit out of time, but he was over in charge of it. Now, obviously, I came in with a bit of experience, not much, but a bit, and he was totally threatened. You understand? By me. And it made life for me very uncomfortable. You know, on occasions he let me down badly and blah, blah, blah. But he wasn't really helpful for me in that situation. Why? He couldn't be gentle because he didn't have sufficient strength in that particular area. However, let me just say something. The same individual was a brilliant sportsman. Brilliant sportsman. He was really very athletic and he just had a natural affinity for sport and ball games and whatever. And of course, look at me, dear God. So he said, let's play squash. 
I thought, oh no, this is revenge. Can I wear padding to this event? Anyway, we went to the squash court. I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. And we was waiting upstairs there, looking down, and people were playing their game. And you book, you see, for an hour or whatever. And the time had come, you see. Now, what are you going to do? You have the right to go there, and you could get upset about all that. But this gentleman, and this was actually how he became a gentleman, he stood up and he just very firmly said, look, guys, uh, the time's up. And, and they said, okay, we're out. We played a game of squash. Can I tell you something? He was such a pleasure to play with. I mean, he understood that his level was way above dear old Graham. You understand? But he didn't like condescendingly put the ball there and watch me run and just enjoy. Like, <laughs> like I would have done. You understand? He played a good game at my level. We had a good game. Can you see? Because he was so strong in that area, this is my point. He had the ability to be gentle, play at my level. Can you see that? Can you see that? That was like chalk and cheese. When he was out of his zone, so to speak, it was like a thug. But when he was in his zone, he could be a real gentleman, a real gentleman. Can you see that? So you see, you and I, we've got to realize that the world's looking for gentleness, not people that throw their weight around. I believe that's why God doesn't give many of us the power. We have got it potentially, but it doesn't manifest so much. Why? We haven't learned to be gentle. You'll notice when the Lord prayed for people that were sick, and this is a, an answer to a question many people have, well, why did he pray that way on that occasion, but not that way in another occasion? Do you understand? And the key is to understand gentleness. In every situation, he had all the power available to him, as much as their faith would allow, but he'd always apply as much as was necessary. Do you get it? There were times where out in the countryside, the Spirit of God was present to heal, and people just had to touch his garment and they would be healed. But there were times, you know, when he had to spit on the ground and make a ball of mud and had to spit on the tongue and had to hold the ears and sometimes take people out of the way and get them to go and do certain prophetic acts. And you wonder why. Why didn't you say, well, just touch my garment, it worked. In every case, he had to apply what was necessary. And what was necessary depended on the person's faith level, you see where their faith was at. He had to provide the resource at the level of their faith. There was occasion where he couldn't even help them because their faith was so negative or non-existent. Did you know that? He didn't impose himself on them. Every time you'll notice when he healed people, somebody asked him to. Do you remember that? Jairus, my daughter said, come and help. Yes, I'll come. Did you know the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman? He won't come in and invade your life unless you say, Lord, please. Do you get it? He won't. He's a perfect gentleman. Why? He applies as much power as necessary and as you and I are prepared to receive. Have you ever wondered why, and I have, sometimes the healing process takes quite a while. I've been battling with my lungs 
And I said to the Lord, you know, how do I go about this? He said, don't worry, gradually they will restore. You see, your immune system will build. And I realized something. When you talk about gentleness, often it's like that. And the reason being is that, do you know, sometimes if God was to heal people instantaneously, it could cause trauma. It would be overuse of power that would cause trauma to the rest of the body. I know that might seem hard to grasp because you think, oh, well, God can heal everything else. Yes, he can. But there was that man who, he prayed for his eyes and he said, can you see? He said, I can just see men walking around as trees. So he continued to pray, you see. Maybe the process was one of gentleness because the eyes need a bit of time to adjust. Maybe too much light would have wrecked his retina. It's possible, is it not? You understand? When I go and have this operation, I'm dreading it. But I can guarantee, I know this for a fact, they won't finish operations. Okay, you can see now. No. You're going to have to wander around like a blind man for a day. I think it's going to be quite an experience to having not been able to see to be able to see. You know, it might help me with this whole business of blind Bartimaeus, but that's beside the point. But you see, very often God's process is gradual because he's applying enough healing for the body to that's gentleness. Can you see that? He doesn't have to prove himself. He doesn't flash his power around. Let me tell you, you and I have this mentality that we want God's power so we can just show everybody, man, the prophet Graham lays hands on you, go falling like a skittle. It's not where it's at. I mean, God wants us to be gentle. Develop our knowledge of the word, yes. Not so we can get puffed up in pride. But so when we come to a situation, what can we do? Apply as much knowledge as is necessary. In every situation in life, develop your resource base. Why? You come to a situation, you have the resource to help, but be gentle. Apply in such a way as will build the person up rather than destroy. Amen? And not spoil. Not spoil. I think we've learnt enough. Amen? Please do. It's 1 Peter 3 verse 15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us to give a reason for the hope that we have. But do this with gentleness and respect. It's a beautiful scripture. You see, you have the resource base within you to be able to answer the question. And when you do it, it's not like, oh, well, I know better than you. You need to, you see. No, with gentleness and respect. Just help the person where they're at. May I learn that. Very much so. Amen. Praise God. Mm -hmm.